the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Hurricanes, bird flu, terrorism, and on and on. We're having, we're in the midst of the, our, the ten plagues, I think. Every day, the media uh, causes us to live in fear of our life <laughs> so that we will tune in, of course, and listen to the uh, where that hurricane is five minutes later after we tuned in the last time. But certainly it has caused us all, uh, on purpose or inadvertently, to think about our own mortality. And sometimes that can get depressing. But one way to look at it that isn't so depressing and, in fact, is inspirational is that it isn't really about the length of our days because so many people, all of us at one time or another, but some people do it more than others, waste days. The important factor in life is how you spend your days, not how many of them you have. Probably a lot of you have seen the movie Million Dollar Baby, and that's sort of a recent example. Uh, Hilary Swank, who plays the fictional boxer Maggie Fitzgerald, tells Clint, Clint Eastwood, who plays a boxing manager, something like, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, um, how she wants her life to end, even though she was relatively young, because she in the condition that she was in, um, you know, having gotten injured um, in a fight, she didn't really want to and didn't feel she needed to live longer. She had accomplished a tremendous amount in the time that she had. She had realized her dream. And she had been an inspiration to a lot of people. And I think that that is one example, and today my guest will talk to you about another example, of people who have had lives who have been relatively short, but they have accomplished an incredible amount, and they have left a legacy. My guest today is Jay Scott. He is the father of Alexandra, also called Alex Scott, who... um, did a lot in the eight years that she was on this planet. Uh, I will let him tell you her story, but I just wanted to put it in the context of your remembering that um, even in eight years, somebody can make their life count so that it affects countless others. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, Jay and his wife, Liz, have been on numerous shows and numerous news stories, including Oprah, the Today Show, and the CBS Early Show. And um, I can see why. <laughs> it's, it's sort of a, uh, a, a private story that grew. So why don't we start with the private beginnings? Well, 
the beginnings were um, Alex was born just like any other kid. She was born a couple weeks early, but very healthy. But when she was about nine months old, she started, um, I guess, acting very fussy for for a baby. And we started bringing her to the doctor first, you know, once a week, then twice a week, and then three times a week, trying to figure out what was wrong with her because she was our second child, and she just she just wasn't acting normal. Um, always wanted to be held, just very cranky, and um, we couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. And the doctors just kept telling us that there was nothing wrong, and it got to the point where they finally told my wife, "Look, you know, you're imagining something wrong with her." Mm. Um, you need to stop bringing her in. And then one Sunday, I remember it very vividly, we called the doctor's office because she was just very cranky. And we got a different doctor. Hmm. And he said, well, tell me a little bit about what's going on. And we told him, you know, she's getting Tylenol four times a day and she's still cranky. And he said, stop right there. This is throwing up red flags. You need to bring her in Monday, first thing. So we went to the emergency room right away and, you know, we thought she might have a stomach problem, but she ended up having cancer. And that's well, how did they? Well, that's kind of a giant leap. How did how did you get from the emergency room to the diagnosis of cancer? Well, it, it was actually pretty easy. Once we convinced them to keep her overnight, a neurologist came in and looked at her and could tell within about ten minutes that something mm. was wrong um, because the reflexes in her legs weren't normal, and um, they narrowed it down to her spine or her brain. Um, you know, almost literally within within certainly 10 minutes, maybe a half hour at the most. It's hard to tell exactly when you're going through something like that. Right. And and she was nine months at that time. Uh, th- by this time, she was about a year old. A year. Because we had been bringing her to the local doctor for a couple of months. Um, From the time point. she was nine months. Okay. Yeah. And? And she had a tumor that had started at her adrenal gland and had wrapped around her spine and was causing her reflexes to be abnormal and um, you know we went from finding that out to having you know in a 16 hour surgery within about a day and a half hmm. and she was during the one surgery she was paralyzed from the chest down and we were told she would never walk again probably never even be able to sit up on her own if she was even able to survive her cancer and you know so Alex was stubborn even at that age and, you know, at one year old, we would go home and take her home and, and try to get her to kick her legs, and we started to see flickers. And the doctors didn't believe that she was doing it willingly until, you know, we showed them, and she started to get movement back. And over the course of the next four years, she regained movement of her legs and taught herself through a lot of physical therapy and hard work how to walk, even though she never regained any any feeling in her legs. So she learned to walk. Almost like if your legs were asleep all the time. Mm. That's how she walked around. And, um, you know, that, that led us to, believe, to know that she was just a very determined child by teaching herself to walk like that. Yeah. So um, as, her, as her cancer treatment started, you know, first we were told that it would be doubtful that she could be cured because they originally thought it was a different type of cancer. And then we were told she could almost definitely be cured. And we went around for second and third opinions. Um, and then one day we were told, look, 
I think that we were right to begin with. I don't think that Alice could be cured, and you should just take her home and enjoy her last days. Hmm. At this point, she was about three years old, so it had been two years of treatment. Of what, chemotherapy or radiation? She had had uh, six surgeries. She had had some radiation, and she had had, at that point, probably six different types of chemotherapy. Hmm. Um, She had first the first line of, chemotherapy for her type of tumor, which was neuroblastoma. Um, and then she, that worked for a little while and it stopped working, so they switched to a backup therapy and that stopped working, so they switched to something experimental. Um, and, and, you know, that worked for a little while and then it stopped working. And there was a doctor in New York who kind of pulled us aside when we were, when we were leaving after they told us to take her home and just enjoy her, the little time she had left and he, told us at that time, I think you guys should make the trip to Philadelphia. There's a hospital there that I think could help you um, with Alex and and get her some treatment that could get her some quality time. And, you know, that was the first we had heard of um, this particular treatment, that was, and it was only available in three hospitals in the country. So we drove to Philadelphia um, with Alex. You were Alex. living in, in New York City? We were living in Connecticut. Uh-huh. We were living in, in Connecticut. And Alex was so sick at this time that she was on morphine 24 hours a day for pain, mm-hmm. and you know she was not she was not doing well at all. Um, but this this experimental treatment in California, I mean in uh, in Philadelphia, they injected her with radioactive iodine, and it goes through your through your body and attaches to this particular type of tumor that she had. And she went from being on morphine 24 hours a day. And within three days, she was completely off of pain medicine. And, you know, she just wanted to do normal kid things again. Mm. She asked my wife if they they could go shopping for a Christmas dress. And, you know, she was just so happy within three days of getting this treatment. And, you know, um, let me just interrupt you for a minute. One of the things, as a physician myself, one of the things that, I find uh, it's so hard to hear stories like this because um, because of the unevenness of medical care. Um, I mean, it must have you had that doctor. Had you not had, for example, the second doctor who you know your doctor who kept telling you nothing was wrong, not being there the Sunday that you called, and had this other doctor not you know told you about this hospital. I mean, it's it's such. Um, it's so random, almost. It, it absolutely is, and and you have these emotional peaks. Um, you know, first you're up, and then you're down, and then you're up, and then you're down, and you get to a point where you just you force yourself to stay even. You don't get excited about anything, and you don't get upset about anything, which I don't think is is really good for you because you're holding everything inside. Mm-hmm. But it it was too difficult on us to get our hopes up, and then our hopes shot down. That's the that's the way we we ended up dealing with things was just being even Stephen with everything, but we were lucky, you know, to get this doctor to refer us to another hospital, and you know, mm-hmm. he did it of course off the record because mm-hmm. he didn't want his colleagues to know that he had done this. Right. But by him doing that, Alex Alex was able to live another four great years, and we'll always be thankful to him for doing that and for taking that chance and, and for telling us that. And we just feel lucky to, to have had that chance to enjoy those extra four years with Alex. Yes. Okay. Well, we're, we're actually coming up um, on our first break. 
So I don't want you to start telling the story of the lemonade stands yet. Okay. Um, when we come back, you can tell us that because they were a very important four years indeed. Um, have you been talking to people about? Uh, I mean, when you when you talk to the media, do you? Is one of the things that you like to tell people to uh, get? many different, you know, third and fourth and fifth opinions or to consult many doctors so that the same kind of thing doesn't happen? Well, you know, normally people aren't that interested in that aspect of it, but we're ready and willing to talk about it when we're asked. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we do need to take a break now. Um, When we come back, we'll uh, we'll start talking again about uh, with Jay Scott, who is the father of Alex Scott, who in her eight short years managed to uh, leave quite a legacy, an inspirational legacy. And uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Stay tuned. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This week on the Dragon Page with Michael and Evo, it is a very, very, very special show. You know, my wife hates when people use the word very that many times. It's just very, very, very <laughs> cool. George R.R. R. Martin, you've been waiting for his latest novel for three years. It's finally out, A Feast for Crows, and we've got him on the show to talk about it. Then after that, Terrence West joins us to talk about his book, Fallen Angels. This week on the Dragon Page with Michael and Evo. That's the Dragon Page, every Saturday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on Voice America. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
and welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about a very inspirational story. Uh, my guest is Jay Scott, who is the father of Alex Scott, a little girl who has done a lot. And um, we're just at the point now, unless there was more to the... Um, unless more happened before this, but I'm, I'm assuming we're at the point now where she gets a brainstorm. Well, we're a little bit before that. Okay. Um, what what happened was after we came back from Philadelphia, um, we were back in Connecticut, and just before we went to Philadelphia, Alex was supposed to get a stem cell transplant, similar to a bone marrow transplant, um, and the doctors had called called the procedure off because... She was in such bad shape, and there was so much disease in her. But this treatment, this experimental treatment at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, was so had such a, a great effect on Alex in terms of having no pain and just uh, reducing her tumor burden that they decided to move forward with her stem cell transplant. And you know, she had no chance of surviving any amount of time without getting this stem cell transplant. And you know, so within within about a month, um, this was just before Al, or just after Alex's fourth birthday, she was admitted to the hospital for a stem cell transplant. Um, and for for those people that don't know what a stem cell transplant is, it's it's like a bone marrow transplant, which which requires the doctors to give you so much chemotherapy that they wipe out your immune system and pretty much take a patient as close to death as they can without killing them and then bring them back by giving them an infusion of bone marrow or of stem cells. And um, certainly my wife and I were not prepared for how tough it was going to be. And um, Alex being four, I don't think she could have imagined how bad it was. But something happened during this stem cell transplant. She was given a medicine that made it so bad that she couldn't even, she couldn't talk for days because she had, uh, sores throughout her mouth and esophagus, mm-hmm. but when she came back to us, she was able to talk again and she was coherent. That's where she came up with this idea. You know, she one of the, one of the first things she said when she came out of this uh, of of this of this state was, "When when I get out of the hospital, um, I want to set up a lemonade stand." Um, you know, which was a surprise one because it was the middle of winter, and two mm-hmm. because she had just been through so much. So that that was really the start of her her lemonade idea. And do you know where that idea came from? I mean, had she ever? I presume in four years she hadn't had a lemonade stand before. Had she seen like Lucy on television? You know, in a comic she had, strip? Or? She had never had a lemonade stand before, and she said it just popped into her head while she was in the hospital. That's hmm. the best that she idea that she could give us because we asked her what made you think of this. So. You know, being parents of a sick child, we said, you know, when the weather gets nicer, of course, you can have a lemonade stand. You know, a lot of kids have a lemonade stands when they're when they're growing up. Mm-hmm. And so we got out of the hospital, and she had been in there about a month, and she started asking first once a week, "Don't forget about my lemonade stand." Mm. Then it was twice a week. I got to have that lemonade stand, and then it was. It ended up until it was daily. When am I going to have my lemonade stand? When when can I have the lemonade stand? And so finally my wife said to her, what is it that you want to buy? I'll just buy it for you. Uh And she looked at my wife like, what are you talking about? I'm not keeping this money. I'm going to give it to the doctors in the hospital so they can find a cure for kids with cancer. And 
you say to a kid when they when they tell you that? You know, we were mm-hmm. just we were taken aback because it was the first that we had heard of her doing the lemonade stand to to support her hospital and. Um, you know, we didn't want her to be disappointed, and we said, you know, you could probably only bring in around five or ten dollars with with the lemonade stand because they don't bring in that much money. And she said, well, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyways. So we had no choice; we had to have, let her have a lemonade stand. And so we waited. From she, she first started asking in January, and finally it was July Fourth weekend, and we let her have her lemonade stand um, in our front yard. And the day before. Um, my wife called, comes from a big family. She called one of her sisters and said, can you come by tomorrow? Alex is having a lemonade stand and giving the money to her hospital. And we don't want her to be disappointed that nobody shows up. Mm-hmm. So can you bring your kids by? And her wife, uh, her sister said, uh, i got to call the newspaper. This is such a cute story. Huh. And my wife said, well, you're welcome to call the newspaper, but I don't think they're going to care. And she said, oh, they'll care. And within five minutes, the the city newspaper had called and said, we heard about your daughter having a lemonade stand. We'd like to do a story on it. Oh, wow. And so they did a story, and it came out the next day. <laughs> and how many people came to the lemonade stand? <laughs> it was unbelievable. Alex was first. Alex was so excited about it that she dressed in her lemonade clothes the night before. I think it was a pink outfit, so that when she woke up in the morning, she didn't have to waste time getting dressed. <laughs> and first... People started coming, ones and twos, and then tens, and literally hundreds of people coming to this to our house with Alex and her brother and a pitcher of lemonade on a little a little uh, plastic table. And some people came with a smile, some people came with a tear, but they just kept coming and coming. And at the end of the day, she had brought in over two thousand dollars with her first lemonade stand. Hmm. Well, did you have? I mean, I guess you or your wife must have been running to the store to get things to make lemonade as. Absolutely. I mean, coming. we didn't expect that at all. And yes, we had to make many trips to the supermarket <laughs> you know, to get lemonade, and a lot of trips inside when, when you, we only had one pitcher. So. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. It was it was amazing, and you know, Alex was just thrilled, um, exhausted but thrilled, and that was it. You know, we thought it was a one-time thing, and. Honestly, my wife and I kind of forgot about it. You know, it was it was in our memory, but we didn't think about it. But Alex thought about it every day. And, you know, as the next winter came, she started saying, when it gets warmer, can I have another lemonade stand? When it gets warmer, can I have another lemonade stand? First it was, you know, once a month, then it was once a week, and then it was it was daily again. And in the meantime, she was not doing well with her cancer. And we, but I would imagine that when she had the lemonade stand, did you see uh, right after that 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 she had that she did better? Well, she was she was an interesting kid in that she could be in the hospital getting chemotherapy and be sick to her stomach, getting sick, and go home and within an hour uh, saying that she wants chips and salsa. Hmm. And you know you would never find an adult doing that. But kids are so resilient that, you know, she, if she wasn't feeling well at a particular moment, then she was, she was, you know, not doing well. But if she felt good, then she, you know, she, her, her demeanor was totally different. So it was really, with Alex, it was almost hour to hour, minute to minute. Well, what, I was, 
thinking was, you know how, um, I mean, there's so much research in how much the mind influences the course of any disease, including cancer. Sure. And um, I would think that this, that this day, you know, which was way beyond her wildest dreams of her first lemonade stand with all the people and the media attention and all of that, that that might have given her uh, sort of a boost in her... Yeah, I think it probably definitely did, and I think in her in her later years, it was certainly something that kept her going and gave her energy and just gave her extra time because she was so focused on this lemonade stand, especially mm-hmm. as she got older and realized the impact that she could have. Okay, well, let's go back to, and when she, when she gave, when she made the first $2,000, did you mm-hmm. say? Yeah. Um, did the, did the hospital make a big deal out of her bringing? Her? The hospital was amazed because, I mean, her doctor was the first customer of the day. You know, he said, I have to go, I have to go see this. And, um, you know, they were amazed because they thought it was going to be 5 or $10 also. You know, so they were thrilled. It was a small hospital and they had just opened up, uh, mm-hmm. I think the year before. This is probably one of the biggest donations they had gotten at the time, and it was from a lemonade stand, believe it. Huh. Okay. So going back, I don't didn't mean to get too no. That's ahead fine. Of- so so she she wasn't doing well, and at this time we were traveling back and forth to Philadelphia for different treatments, and then we would get on a different treatment, and they would they would give it to her up in Connecticut. And it, at one point, the doctors in Philadelphia said, you know, if if you guys spent more time here, we would have more treatment options for Alex. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I interpreted that as move to Philadelphia. So we moved to Philadelphia. I took a job transfer, and um, we relocated to Philadelphia so we could be closer to the hospital. It wasn't until three years later we realized that they meant come stay in the Ronald McDonald house. <laughs> so, but it, but it was too late at that point. So we relocated to Philadelphia, and we didn't know anyone here, but we, we had a great hospital and. Uh, we kept postponing Alex's lemonade stand until it was it was so cold out that she had to wear a winter hat and mittens. But she did it in our front yard, and she did great. I mean, I think that second one brought in around seven hundred dollars, but that didn't you know, it wasn't quite as good as the first. But it didn't it didn't deter her at all, and she gave that to her new hospital down in Philadelphia. But pretty much as soon as she finished that lemonade stand, she started talking about. Uh, having one once the weather got warmer since we kind of screwed her up by making her wait so long that it was cold out, and that's what mm. what slowed her well, down. There weren't so many customers yet. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, so as time went on, it became um, more and more of a focus for her. You know, it went from a one-time thing to something that she had no intention of ever dropping. And, um, and so... Th- so then uh, we decided that we would do it in June because uh, the weather was warm. In this third lemonade stand, um, a friend of hers at the hospital had died about a month before, and she decided that she was going to dedicate this lemonade stand mm-hmm. to her friend. And it brought in over $12,000. How did that happen? Again, I think at that time, I think that... Um, the local newspaper did a story, uh-huh. and because they had heard about her fall lemonade stand, mm-hmm. and they said, "Let us know when she's going to have another one." And so, literally hundreds and hundreds, if not a thousand, people came to our front yard and Alex with this lemonade stand, and it was just—it was unbelievable to see how charged up she was. 
Hmm. And something interesting started happening around then was other kids were reading the story and they would have a lemonade stand and send the money to Alex. Hmm. Saying, you know, I, I saw, I read about what you're doing. I think it's great. Here's my way of helping. And so it, was, it just started off as sort of a spontaneous thing of other kids hearing this story about a sick kid doing something to help other sick kids, and they decided they were going to help themselves. And it was it was amazing, and it was inspiring both to my wife and I, and especially to Alex. She was just get so thrilled when other kids would do that. Yes. So, um, and then it was it was about that time that. Um, Sports Illustrated called, and at the time they did something with Cigna Insurance where they would um, feature a celebrity that was doing uh, charitable work, and they would do an advertorial in Time and Sports Illustrated. And they said, you know, we heard what Alex is doing, and we think it's great, and we would like to make her the first non-celebrity that we Mm. feature in in our advertisements. Are you guys interested? And honestly, we weren't sure that we were interested because it was going to be so much exposure for Alex. But, you know, she was always very grown up for her age. So we talked about it with her and said, you know, are you interested in this? It's going to mean a lot more attention, but it will get the word out. And she said, absolutely, I need to do this. Right. So they ran um, a story that ran in time, People, Sports Illustrated, and Parenting Magazine about her lemonade stand. Wow. Okay, and when we come back, we'll hear more about how this dream of hers, uh, this mission actually, grew. My guest today is Jay Scott. He's the father of Alex Scott, the little girl we've been talking about. And um, when we come back, we'll hear more about this tale and her legacy. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust-busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and get ready to do some serious crust-busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on VoiceAmerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for Crust-Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life. 
Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard's Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard's Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about the little girl behind Alex's lemonade stand, um, Alex Scott, and we're talking with her father, Jay Scott. And today, um, on the average, there will be 46 children and adolescents, or let's just talk about today, there will be 46 children and adolescents who are diagnosed with cancer. Um, this is every weekday. So as we're talking in the, you know, about this uh, one life and her heroics and and uh, her inspirational story, today there are 46 more children and adolescents who are going to be diagnosed with what it is that Alex had. I mean, not um, specifically her kind of cancer, but a kind of cancer. And that's um, it's really it's really a very um, Sad statistic. Well, why don't we continue with the story because we're all kind of hanging on here, waiting to waiting to hear what was next after Sports Illustrated and all its uh, subsidiaries or or associate uh, magazines. Then what happened? Yeah, well, the response was just unbelievable. I mean, the emails and the letters we would get um, for Alex. I mean, people from all over the world were sending her letters and emails and sending donations in and. And and she was sparking something in people. We would get letters from people that would say, you know, I was feeling sorry for myself and I haven't left the house in two years and, you know, I see what you're doing and, you know what, I'm going to go volunteer at the children's hospital tomorrow. Or mm. other people would say, you know, I've been sick and um, I was ready to give up, but you know what, I'm not going to give up now after I see how hard you're fighting. And she would just get hundreds and thousands of these letters um, constantly. It, it was it was just amazing, and I think that kind of gave her a little bit of a spark um, to keep going with what she had started um, with the lemonade stands and and just spreading the word about about kids with cancer that needed help. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just you just um, reference that statistic: cancer is the leading cause of death by disease in kids. Um, a lot of people don't 
think of kids getting cancer, but it's the leading cause of death by disease in kids. You know, accidents kill more kids, but if you're talking about diseases in the U.S. only, cancer is the number one killer. And a lot of kids with cancer, you know, if, if leukemia 30 years ago was pretty much a death sentence, but they've made a, they've made a lot of strides with treating kids with leukemia. But a lot of these other cancers like brain tumors and neuroblastoma, which Alex had, and bone cancers, the kids don't have a better chance today of surviving than they did 20 years ago because um, there's not enough research going on into children's cancer. There's not enough money there. Hmm. So... Alex because thought, we're, all, we're sending it all to Iraq. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, and, and also there's not, the, the pharmaceutical companies don't see it as um, cost-effective to, to find a treatment for just a kid's cancer. There's a lot really? more adults that get cancer, so they want to put their resources into finding treatments for adults with cancer. Really? Hmm. That's um, bad. So, but Alex saw it as her mission to get the word out, first of all, that there are a lot of kids with cancer and also that, there's money needed for research, and she was she was very strong in her opinions as to what the money should do, um, and that the money should be used, you know, get the most out of every dollar. Um, so, one thing that she realized she was in treatment for cancer for seven and a half years. She saw a lot of friends um, die, you know, dozens and dozens of kids that she knew. Yeah. Where they would be in the hospital one day, and then you know they wouldn't they wouldn't be there again. And she wanted to try and change that, and that's what her mission was to help kids with cancer. So she, with us, we what we decided to do when a lot when significant money started coming in. First, it was you know tens of thousands, and then hundreds of thousands of dollars. We met with the with the doctors and the researchers, and we said, "How can this money be used?" the most effectively. Why are these kids dying? Um, you know, sometimes kids will die waiting on a list to get a treatment mm-hmm. because their name isn't high enough up on the list. And what we were told was uh, they need more they need more employees. They need people to enroll kids in these in these drug trials and so that's what we did. We huh. we hired a, a nurse practitioner first half time to enroll kids in clinical trials because Getting in a clinical trial is a lot of paperwork, and if a doctor is doing the paperwork, they, they, they're, they're spending time that they could be getting more kids in trials. Right. So we hired a nurse practitioner to enroll kids and work with the doctors, and in one year they were able to triple the kids getting into uh, trials at one hospital for the type of cancer that Alex had. Uh-huh. And nobody had ever thought to try it before. But they couldn't. The hospitals couldn't bill for this position, so they they, they didn't want to pay for it themselves. Mm. And so now we started doing this in hospitals around the country, setting up a whole program of getting these kids treatments that they need, and and it's working. It's working wonderfully so far. Well, why don't you tell us about? So now, um, well, I guess we what it is that she was able to accomplish um, before she died, and then what. How, you know, what did finally happen that... Well, um, you know, her lemonade stands, they just got bigger and bigger every year. There was one that she had one year in our front yard in the pouring rain that brought in about almost $20,000. But then she started to get really serious about it as the story started to spread and a lot of other kids started helping her. And um, 
we heard her doing an interview with a national magazine. I think it was Good Housekeeping at one point. And, and you know, she just casually said to them, well, my goal last year was $100,000, so I guess I'll make it a million dollars this year. And when she hung up the phone, we said, Alex, <laughs> how could she tell them that your goal is to raise a million dollars this year? And she said, well, you guys always tell me I can't do things, and I always do, so it's my goal, and that's what it's going to be. So she set a goal in the year 2004 of raising $1 million through a lemonade stand, which just seemed totally outrageous. But you know what? She was able to do it because she, she went on Oprah. She went on the Today Show, and she told people, if people send in donations and if other kids have lemonade stands, I think I can do it. And you know what? Last year, she brought in $1.6 million just through a lemonade stand. And, and... You know, it still amazes us. You know, she knew that if she put herself out there and asked people to help, that they would. And it just shows you how many great people there are in the country. A lot of times you hear, you just hear the bad stories on the news, but yeah. there's so many great people out there. Now, have you sort of turned this into a franchise or, or, or do kids, uh, I mean, I, I saw on the website, and we'll be giving out the web address, um, that you sort of, you help kids to start, uh, lemonade stands, or well, how what, has that evolved? What we do is we put together a packet. There were so many people calling us saying, how can we help? We put together a packet um, of information to help people have a lemonade stand because it wasn't just people having lemonade stands. It was kids doing jump-a-thons and, you know, uh, 5K walks and raising money, and some kids will shave their heads to get pledges. And, all you know, if you name it, kids are doing it, corporations are doing it, schools are doing it. So we were just trying to put things together on paper to help them out. And then we ended up coming out with a kit. Um, and it, it, it comes in a box, and it's got everything a kid needs to have a lemonade stand, mm-hmm. including posters and stuff. And they can pick it up at any bookstore, or, you know, at, 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 on, on the book websites. And it, it just makes the job easier for them to, to get started. Yeah. And then we wrote a book called Alex and the Amazing Lemonade Stand that sort of a lot of schools are using and a lot of, Parents read it to their kids, and they use it to get kids inspired before they do, like, a school-wide fundraiser for Alex's Lemonade Stand. And, you know, that book has been just unbelievable for the foundation in that it gets the word out. And um, her story became started as just a local thing, but it's really an international now. We have so many followers in Japan and Korea and England and Italy, and the book was just translated to Japanese because the story was so big there. Hmm. And and they they send in the money to you to 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 the foundation that you developed for her. Yeah, they send money into the foundation, and then the foundation gives grants out to to childhood cancer researchers around the country. Okay, around the country, not around the world. We give grants out within the U.S. and Canada, uh-huh. um, but there are people holding lemonade stands all over the world. Hmm. Amazing story. And then what finally happened to, how far did all of this get before she passed away? Well, what happened was uh, last summer Alex was not doing well, and we had uh, received about $700,000 at that point. So she was at 700000 of her million-dollar goal. And we received a call from one of our sponsors, which was Volvo Cars, and they called and said, you know, how is Alex doing? And we said, she's not doing very well. You know, her health is really deteriorating. 
And they said, how about her goal? How's her goal of a million dollars doing? And we said, well, she's at 700000 And they said, well, tell her that we will take her over the million-dollar mark in the fall. We're going to do a, a national fundraiser at all of our dealerships around the country so she doesn't have to worry about hitting that million. Just tell her she's hit it. Hmm. So she passed away August 1st in 2004, but she knew in July that she was going to reach her goal, and I think she was very satisfied with herself. She was so satisfied, in fact, that she set a 2005 goal of $5 million, believe it or not, um, which was a compromise because at first she, she said it was going to be a gazillion, <laughs> but her older brother was able to talk her down to $5 million. So that's what we were trying to do this year was raise $5 million. And how, how are you doing so far? Uh, we're getting close to $3 million. So we're more than halfway there, but we still have a long way to go with a month and a half to go. You know, it's interesting because I, I guess she, by finding out in July that she was going to meet the $1 million and knowing that you were going to continue on to meet the $5 million, mm-hmm. um, she was able to die in peace. She was able to feel as though she, to let go, feel that she accomplished what she needed to do, not only the million, but putting things in place to continue. I think she knew that things would continue. I think she knew that she had set the foundation for the foundation, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, my wife and I thought that possibly with her passing that the foundation would go away, but the response was so overwhelming. It was even more overwhelming than when she was alive for people that, that wanted it to continue. Hmm. Well, when we come back, um, we'll talk a little more about this, including... Uh, actually, I want to ask you about the horse <laughs> that's oh, sure. connected to this, and uh, t- and then also let people know what they can do to help. Great. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about uh, Alex's lemonade stands with her father, Jay Scott. And when we come back, we'll continue with this inspiring story. the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. 
Hello, this is Rory Goray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with Jay Scott, the father of Alexandra Scott, who has um, left a legacy after dying after eight short years, um, an incredible legacy that is now flourishing more than ever. It even has a racehorse connected with it. <laughs> this story I have to hear, how is a fleet Alex, and I guess I don't know if there's a connection between the name Alex and your Alex, but um, how did that get connected to your Alex in the lemonade stand? Sure. Well, the name is a coincidence, believe it or not. Huh. But what happened was it's owned by five five people from the Philadelphia area, which is where we live now. And shortly after my daughter passed away, one of the owners called us and said, I have a horse that's pretty good, and, you know, we're very touched by what your daughter did, and we would like, or I would like to give a donation to the foundation every time the horse comes in first, second, or third. You know, mm-hmm. are you interested? And, of course, we said, sure, you know, we're interested and I don't think he knew, and we certainly didn't know quite how good the horse was because the horse won the Breeders' Cup in 2004 and went on to come in third in the Kentucky Derby, and then he won the Preakness and he won the Belmont this year. And one of the amazing things was his race in the Preakness where the horse stumbled. One of his knees actually hit the ground, and normally a horse would fall over and and be out of the race, but this horse recovered from the stumble and, and went on to win the race, just mm. running away from the rest of the field. And uh, the jockey in his post-race interview said that something picked him up, um, yeah. picked the horse up and picked, kept him on the horse from falling off the horse. And, you know, it was just amazing, an amazing win. But the horse just did unbelievable, and it, and it brought Alex's story to so many more people around the country and around the world. Yes, I was going to say it seems like something celestial intervened it was, <laughs> to pick the horse up. It was unbelievable. I mean, everybody. I'm, I'm kind of new to horse racing, but people that have been around horse racing say they've never seen a horse recover from a stumble like that because they're so big and they're running so fast. Usually, when they stumble, they they go down, and the jockey almost always falls off. You know, this whole has anyone approached you to do a movie about this? Oh, uh, we've had some calls, but nothing that has. Uh, Come to anything yet? But. <laughs> because you know that's that's a wonderful um, uh, finale, or you know, way to end the movie. We have this horse sort of uh, majestically and and um, 
without explanation, picks itself up and goes on to win. You know, can't you just see see that as the end of the story? It, it certainly it certainly would make it quite an ending, almost <laughs> an unbelievable ending. Yes. If it didn't happen in in real life, you wouldn't believe that it happened. That, could that's happen. right. That's right. Well, why don't you, we don't have very much time left, why don't you tell people what, first of all, um, if you can give out the web address and then tell people what they can do um, to continue with this to help, I mean, certainly <laughs> certainly, childhood cancer needs um, more money um, for research and for a whole bunch of different things to help um, children with cancer. Uh, so what... So I mean, it, it, so the story isn't over in the sense that uh, we haven't fixed the problem yet. Um, right. The, the story isn't over. We're continuing on. We have set a goal of 25 million in five wow. years um, for childhood cancer research. And if people want to learn uh, learn more or they want to get involved, they can go to the website, which is alexslemonade.org, or they can just go to one of the search engines, type in Alex and Lemonade, and you know they'll they'll get a link to to our website from there. And you know, it's so easy to hold a lemonade stand or do some other kind of fundraiser and um, just, you know, or just learn more and spread the word about it. That's also appreciated. Yes, and um, and one website is the alexlemonade.com, which is a little hard. To, let me spell it out because um, it's A-L-E-X-S, Alex's. Lemonade, L-E-M-O-N-A-D-E dot com, A-L-E-X-S, Lemonade dot com. Um, and that's where they can buy the book, um, Alex's, Alex and the Amazing Lemonade Stand, from there, too, as well as, I guess, regular bookstores. Yeah, regular bookstores or through the website or Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's available, it's available all, all over. And um, when you, do, do you have a lot of parents uh, besides people, you know, wanting to donate and help the foundation, do you have parents contacting you who have children with cancer looking for some kind of uh, comfort or advice? Or well, we do get that, you know, because we were in treatment for so long, so people are that are newly diagnosed are always looking for um, advice on on how to handle things or handle issues or getting second opinions. So we're always well, we're always you know willing to do that also. Um, and also people, when they have a sick child, they want to do something to help. So a lot of times we'll get calls from the families of, of sick children that want to do something mm. in their honor or their memory, which we also encourage. Um, it's a great way to, to make it, make, to do something. You know, people do, it makes, it makes them feel better to do something that they know is helping, if not their kid, but a kid that will be diagnosed in the future. Yes, you know, that may be also another area that you want to fund, um, Support groups in various hospitals, you know, with with leaders, um, because I don't. I think that's one of the things. I mean, of course, it depends on the hospital, and you know, it's very variable. But I don't think, on the whole, that there is enough support, certainly in a lot of places, for parents of children who have been diagnosed with cancer. Right. I mean, it's a difficult time. It's very stressful, and um, one of the things that we have done now is we've included a position at this first hospital that helps families um, get to a hospital if they if they need, um, you know, a treatment that's not available locally because these treatments shouldn't be available for, they should be available for all kids, and we're doing something to try and help all kids get equal, equal access to these new treatments. Yes. 
Um, I guess what what would you in in the minute or so that we have left, what advice would you give to parents of uh, of children who they are they suspect have some kind of problem, you know, before it's diagnosed or after it's diagnosed? What are what would be your some of your best advice? Well, my, our advice is always, um, you know, a second opinion never hurts, a third opinion never hurts, and um, to keep fighting if the kid, if their child is diagnosed, don't. If one doctor says that, you know, there's nothing that can be done, ask somebody else, you know, because you'll cherish every minute you have with the child, and if you can get an extra six months or an extra year or a couple years um, of enjoyment with your child, it's worth it. Yes, especially when you think that um, that's what allowed you to get four extra years, and look what Alex did in these four years. She she did a lot in those four years, and. Like you started the program with, um, say life is not about the duration but the donation that it gives. Yes, yes, that's a good way of putting it. And, yes, I was going to remind my listeners that that is how we started out. When you're sitting there um, hearing about the latest plague that is potentially going to hit you, (laughs) um, or at least that you're being warned about, uh, instead instead of wasting that time sitting in front of television, waiting every five minutes to hear the latest, which is really nothing um, very new or else it's misinformation that's going to be corrected later, think about the time you're wasting and how what's really important is how you spend each of your days and particularly how you spend it to help the rest of the world, people you love, uh, people you you don't even know but care about in the sense that Alex did, helping children with cancer. Um, and recognize that it's not about squeezing every single day uh, if you're not going to be doing something worthwhile with those days. It's more about what you do with however many days you're fortunate enough to have. So I'd like to thank my guest, Jay Scott. And, uh, thank you. I, I think you, you should, I'm sure you feel very proud of your daughter, Alex, and this whole um, legacy and foundation and help all the kids. I mean, it's just, mind-boggling to think about all the kids that she has helped and is continuing to help, and of course that you are too by continuing her legacy. And we feel lucky to be able to carry on when she started. Absolutely. Well, you're very welcome, and uh, think about this, folks. <laughs> think about this. Let this story um, go through your mind. Uh, chew on it, and, and uh, think about what really is important in this life. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 